Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey, and speaker's out today. Missing him again this week. He's got a lot going on, but uh, how are you doing, Corey? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm juggling many projects right now. It's very exciting. Working on some solution stuff and some resources, and I've been talking with some truck drivers. I'm <laughs> juggling like three different projects right now. So doing good, staying focused on work, trying to stay positive. How about you? I'm doing all right. Yep. Staying focused, staying, you know, just lots, lots to keep track of, trying to stay on top of everything that's happening and everything is rolling out so quickly. So (laughs) we're going to get into some (laughs) of those things today. I know that uh, you just put out a report um, on BlackRock CEO, Larry Fink. Mm-hmm. And we should talk about that for sure. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about a previous report you've done um, on the digital ID and some current headlines, how that relates. And then we'll get into some other things like the FDA panel this week on kids, as well mm-hmm. as the uh, Democrats bending spree that they're trying to cram through and finish it off maybe with talking about what's happening in New York City with the first responders and the uh, mandates. So let's talk about your, yeah, let's talk about your report you put out. Okay. Sorry. Just finishing my (laughs) wake up, get some coffee way way too early this morning. Um, I'm trying to switch my schedule back. So instead of going to bed at five or six in the morning, I'm trying to push it back to like two in the morning. And, uh, you know, I don't sleep more than like five, six hours. So I've been up for a while. So anyway, all right. Family tree. This is something I had been working on, um, kind of on and off for a couple of months anxious to get out, um, hoping I wasn't going to see some massive repercussions. So far, so good. Uh, You know, one thing I want to address right off the bat is when I posted this on social media, and there's probably even a comment or two on my website, there's a handful of people that said, well, why does this matter? Um, You know, who, who, you know, he's got a hardworking family, it seems. And who, who cares about his family's reputation. It's about him himself. And what people need to understand, and I'm sure most people listening to this already do understand, that this they're not in the real world. We're in the real world. For us, yes, our reputation is everything. We get our jobs based on our skill and our reputation. With these people, the one percenters that rule it all, run it all, own it all, they don't are not just handed the keys to the castle because of their skill level or their reputation they managed to build up. They are groomed their whole lives for these positions. Um, There are always family connections and there are a few of them um, that I've dug into in the past as well that have completely ghosted their family members. And there's good reason for that. And so, whereas I may not have some major smoking gun in here, it's really important. Uh, there is some critical info though, but it's really important to understand, in my opinion, I want to know who's behind the man that just did the greatest transfer of wealth in history that 
that, you know, between BlackRock and Vanguard, they own the top shares in damn near every industry and company. Um, he's the one pushing the massive, massive climate hoax through corporations and banks, um, telling, telling everyone we're going to have to completely reinvent how businesses are run and operated in the future in creating these ESG scores. Um, which is going to carry over into our bank accounts as a, you know, climate scoring system, which we've talked about in the past. And so you're damn right. straight. I, w- I want to know where this man comes from. And I he has, who- he has the power to make or break any kind of corporation based on whether or not they comply. Right. Oh, that's right. And, and, and they're working with the federal reserves to allegedly bail us out. Uh, it's it's the biggest shit show ever. So let me tell you, since they since they did their going direct reset, which was voted on back in August twenty second, twenty nineteen, before COVID hit, their stock, BlackRock stock, has outperformed the U.S. stock market stock market by double. So what does that tell you? So uh, this is all very very planned. If you looked at look at the timeline between uh, the COVID situation that's rolled out against the going direct and what BlackRock has done, it's very, very in sync. And so uh, what I break down here is I tied in 30 family members. It, it, it took quite some time to connect um, because like I said, they ghosted them all. The only one they ever talk about is of course, we know uh, who his wife is and we know who one of his uh, sons is because he of course is in the financial industry and it's kind of hard to hide that. Uh, the only statement that's ever been said, and it all comes from Larry Fink's own words and his LinkedIn, where he says, my father owned a small business, a shoe store, and my mother taught English at a local university. I remember all the times my brother and sister and I would ask our parents whether we were saving for a bigger house or a new car. That's all we know about his family. Um, People weren't even able to figure out if, you know, what other kids he had other than we know that he had three kids. And so it was, it's intentionally, you know, they scrubbed everything or kept it from the media altogether, which of course they control. I mean, they control big pharma and the media. So they, um, elites always do that. They always scrub family ties. They oh, don't yeah. want you to know how far back it goes. Right. So this is a man who, who consistently says, we want transparency. We want everything on the blockchain. We want this and that, you know, which, <laughs> but where's his transparency? So what we have is uh, I found a 2012 Forbes article that they forgot to scrub. So I was able to locate his brother and um, by combine, and I'm just telling people this for others who do research, just some little tips. So in combining his brother with his name, and I knew that his parents, you know, they, they were in California in the Los Angeles area. So I started just, I didn't know their names. I started running through, just reading through tons and tons of obituaries until I landed on Larry and Steven both. And then I was able to um, work backwards from there and find some social media, you know, like Facebook. And then I was able to go into Ancestry and verify, you know, um, 
all the details, find his mom's name, figure out she was a teacher. Dad was in World War II, um, went to UCLA, something very sketchy going on with the yearbook there. Uh, it's like they inserted it out of alphabetical order after the fact and said they created this fraternity, which no longer shows up anywhere. So it's, it's, very, it's all very strange. And then he's completely ghosted until his obituary. And um, so he, he allegedly went to UCLA and then opened a shoe store and him and his wife managed to travel to 100 countries. And uh, the only thing on his wife, other than I did find some interesting stuff with um, his sister, his wife's sister, Ellen Raskin, who's a famous book author of children's books. And, and, and what else is interesting is in her obituary, it doesn't even say, you know, preceded by her sister, Ellen. And in his dad's obituary, it doesn't say preceded by his brother, Bernard. It just says it mentions his two sisters, but not his brother. His brother also served in World War II and is a complete ghost. You can't find anything on him. And so people can come in and look at all of this and see the, the connections and whatnot. Um, the brother has quite a background, um, has basically been a fixer and <laughs> for Milken um, for quite some time, the junk bond guy, you know, that did, did oh. time. And uh, he's, he's, he's tied up with some very interesting people. Uh, I don't even have that in front of me right now. I'm just like, I got so much info in here. You can just kind of scroll down. Um, I got a lot of pictures, a lot of links in here, a lot of info I pulled from Ancestry. So there's no doubt 100% these individuals all connect. Um, and this was all through open resource. I wish, honestly, I would have had access to better military records because, and if anyone out there does, let me know what you find on dad. Um, but his brother has a very interesting history. And I did screenshot and archive the uh, Forbes article from 2012 about his brother, who's also in finances <laughs> and um, audits and risk oversight and operations. He's like a fixer. He has quite the background, quite the extensive background and connections. So um, so just some interesting stuff. I figured I'd get out what I have and other researchers can dig further. People who might have access to you know, some databases I don't might be able to find more information. By understanding where he came from, it gives us more connections to other people and and you know how it goes you keep making those connections and then you start seeing the bigger picture and so that's why I felt this was important to do yeah it's definitely important to know the people who are running things especially this guy I mean because the kind of power that was uh, given to him I agree that it's never based off of merit it's based off of no. who you know how you're compromised how you can be controlled when you're put in positions like this. Who your family members are, who the bloodlines are, and how far back they really connect. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well planned. Black, I mean, BlackRock, well, it was under the umbrella of Blackstone originally, but then it separated out. And so they've been around since 88. I mean, this this is this has long been planned. Um, yeah. So 
so moving on. Yeah. So <laughs> we wanted to revisit your digital ID report because a lot of the elements that you brought up in this report are pieces of it are coming into headlines now. And I know that you pointed out a couple of headlines um, this week that dropped that were kind of linked to stuff that you had reported on through this digital identity report. So tell us about it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love it. There's some really good stuff that's come out this past week. So um, in part three, under the digital identity, I was breaking down the key implementers and showing who's in charge of what area of it, because this is huge. I mean, it is, it is global. So we've got all this cross-country stuff going on where they're trying to strategize and integrate. And so under the standardization guideline crews, I was talking about the smart health cards and how one of the more significant ones um, in charge of this aspect of it is the Vaccine Credential Initiative, VCI, which was founded by the Mayo Clinic, Mitri Corporation, Microsoft, the Commons Project Foundation. We got the Rockefellers. We got all of them in here. So um, there's a few people that, let's see, if we go to, what do you got? What do you got on the next tab there? Which one? This, this article here. Okay, so yeah, so Zero Hedge did a nice little roundup. Now, I don't know, I can't remember if they mentioned um, VCI in here. They might have, but they did a nice little roundup some, some on what's going on in multiple different countries. I recommend that people give this a read just to stay up to date because, you know, obviously what's happening with these vaccine ID passports in other countries is definitely you know happening here but we seem to be a little behind the ball and we have a lot of people resisting this and we need to keep resisting this um because that's that's the end i mean this is this is their end game to right. control us through these digital identities and it goes on and on and so this other report um on the next tab by, and sorry if I butcher the names here, but by Jeremy Lafredo and Max Blumenthal, cloak and dagger military intelligence outfit at center of U.S. digital vaccine passport push. And they do a phenomenal breakdown on, and, and uh, sorry if I'm saying this wrong, Mitri, I don't know if it's Mitre or Mitri Corporation, which of course has deep, deep military intelligence ties and um, having to do with the, with many things. But with the QR code, the vaccine, you know, they're working, obviously, they're part of the coalition of VCI. And so they dove in pretty deep and did a great report on specifically on Mitri and how that is tying into all of this. Very important read. And yeah, we so it goes extensively into Mitri, which you did uh, speak to on your digital identity report, which is great to see people whether they're pulling it from your report or from somewhere else, but people taking these pieces and going further, deeper into each of them to describe, you know, really how they are players in this digital identity agenda. Yeah. And if they haven't seen my report yet, they should, they should check it out because I've got 285 corporations listed in there and uh, corporations, nonprofits, agencies, and it, and it just, it gives the, it's kind of like the outline of the operation. 
So it could help them connect more dots when they're reporting on stuff. You know, I love it. We need to just flood, like they say, flood the media, you know, inundate, <laughs> inundate it. Inundate. Yes. <laughs> inundate yeah. it. We need yeah. to get this out there. It's like, Every yeah, I mean, it's like BlackRock. I mean, I don't know that many people were talking about BlackRock prior to, say, this year, but it really mm -hmm. has come to the forefront and caused people to just deep dive into it and learn so much more about right. what what's going on there. And there's a lot of connections to make there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have um, in that family tree at the top, I actually have links to four different very key articles and information, articles and videos having to do with um, BlackRock. So if anyone's still learning about them, those are linked above the family tree. And then um, and then we have Dell Big Tree. I haven't even had a chance to, to watch this whole thing, but at about halfway through, and I think this was yesterday's episode uh about halfway through he starts talking about the vaccine id passports and how in new york you can't even like get food you can't even go into a restaurant and so he did this great little um kind of roundup of news from multiple countries in a little like one to two minute clip before getting into detail and then he brought on amy i don't know how to pronounce her last name if it's bowen or bon who, again, she was talking about VCI and Mitri too. So that's fantastic. Um, but I wanted to just have you play this one to two minute little clip so people can see how far along they have already pushed this in multiple countries with the yeah. vaccine ID passport. Yep. All right. Just give me one second. I got to switch over the sound. China has launched a so-called vaccine passport for travelers. The European Union has made it easier to travel across borders in the region. Australians are a step closer to an overseas trip today. Italy is the latest country in Europe to announce a vaccine certificate system. New Brunswick and Ontario introduced proof of vaccination passports. Israelis must now scan in to get in. Los Angeles set to become home to one of the country's strictest vaccine mandates. Today I announce a new approach which we're calling the key to NYC pass. Citizens can now display digital certificates via the social media platform WeChat as proof of their vaccination status. Travelers can now show a so-called green pass to prove they've been vaccinated against COVID. The government issued green pass shows personal details and proves they've had two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine. With the federal government rolling out technology that proves your COVID-19 vaccine status around the world. Joining four other provinces. Three more planned to follow next month. In France, anyone entering a venue with more than 50 people inside will need to present this health pass. Green pass. Common pass. The key to NYC pass. COVID passport. Vaccine passport. Community certificates. International travel health certificate. If you're vaccinated, all that's going to open up to you. You'll have the key. You can open the door. I can't tell you how many... There you have it. I mean, this is this is how serious this is. And and you know, so everyone out there who um everyone needs to make other people aware of where this is really headed, where this is going. And so that's why it's just it's so important to keep sharing this information because it's not about the jab, it's about 
getting the digital ID, getting a QR code on everyone, getting it over to the blockchain and controlling our access, our spending, our, you know, all of it. So they're moving, they're moving fast with this, but trying to integrate it across the the globe and cross border is, you know, taking some strategy and some time for them to implement. So we need to stay on top of this and keep fighting it. And, you know, there's also, there are some states trying to put through legislation. Um, you know, I know Montana is one state that has banned um, mandated jabs, which means obviously they can't do the passport either. Um, but there's a lot of states that are working towards trying to, you know, do like partial bans or um, let's see, what did Texas just do, Edge? Um they did a ban on all of it, I believe, on they, even on they, corporations. Even, yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah, and I know like Alabama and Florida, they have some pretty good bans going, but I don't think it's a hundred percent. But there are a lot that are trying to put through legislation to ban the passports, and that's that's equally as important as we can see. So yeah. I just I just wanted people to see that. I'm sure that this entire episode that Dell did is fantastic, but that clip was pretty powerful. Yeah, and we, you know, our friend speaker down under, and they're facing, you know, just massive tyranny there with the uh, COVID mandates and with the passports. And it, it's very difficult to get around and live outside of the system in certain areas. So um, definitely some countries are more, are further along in right. this agenda than others. And I'm sure that um, America poses the greatest risk to their agenda, um, considering, you know, our history, um, our constitution, um, the, just the fabric of our um, society, although they're, they've done a really great job of wrecking it over the <laughs> past. Yeah, they've done a bang up job. Century, but, um, but yes, I would say that this, that America probably is the last stand when it comes mm -hmm. to um, getting in the way of this agenda. What do you think? I, I agree. And, and we need to just, we need to not comply and just fight this as much as we can because it's just, man, these people. <laughs> uh, well, the first step is to try to get an injection into every arm, and we know that. And continued and ongoing there. I was looking at, um, I should have pulled that up. Uh, someone was brought to my attention the other day. They said, this just isn't getting enough eyes on it. And it was the, um, oh, IA 2030, the immunity agenda. And it's the same thing we've been talking about. It's just the language they use. If you look up their website, and of course it's Gates and Rockefellers and all the same crew. Um, they embellish a little bit. They get they get a little loose with their words and, and a little obvious. And they're saying that by 2030, they want to have 500 <laughs> different vaccines produced by then. And that, that vaccines will be a life course of vaccines that will be part of our regular primary health care. 
which of course will all be, you know, uh, government plans, health insurance plans. And so they're, they're, they're really pushing it hard on their, um, lovely 2030 agenda. And it, and it's not going to stop, you know, they want, they, the, there's the boosters. We already knew they were going to turn this into an annual thing that they were going to throw it on the mandatory list for children. Um, man, people just need to get their kids out of school. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for people fighting it. It's just, what are we fighting for? I mean, what's happening in the school systems is so indoctrinating. And so it's sick. It's It's really sick. And I guess the one positive thing that's come from these horrific revelations about what's going on in our schools is that parents are more aware and yeah. I feel like this was going on all this time. It's just really oh, yeah. had been under the surface. And through this process, it's just like shining a light on yeah. that the dark, seedy agenda within the school system that's been going on for years and years. But yeah, yeah I wonder what the homeschool rate is up to right now. It's got to be high. I know it's record record numbers of people are pulling their kids out of the school system, thank God, Uh, because this week the FDA panel voted unanimously, of course, uh, Mm. to authorize children ages 5 to 11 to get the jab under the emergency use authorization. And this was despite thousands of objections uh, in the public comments that were submitted to the FDA FDA plus there were many objections during that public hearing this week, some of which were actually comments from people like they were parents or advocates of kids who had had reactions discussing right. that, the experiences in detail. Nonetheless, the uh, Biden regime has said that they are ready to go. They're geared up to inoculate kids ages 5 to 11 as soon as November 4th. Wow, that was quick. Good you God. Know. Good so, God. The, so, how the hell does these people sleep at night? You know, the FDA panel is relatively small too. I, I remember, I can't think off the top of my head, but I know that when I did that, um, measles, what was it? Measles, mumps and masterminds or something. I don't even remember. Um, but I did that six part report trying to break down the vaccine industry and what was going on and the manipulations. And I was, you know, showing all the proof and evidence and I was breaking down how the FDA panel, you know, how it all works and how many people there are. And it's very small. So maybe we need to, um, maybe we need to do a little breakdown on them. Oh, good idea. Because I'm sure there are some skeletons there, <laughs> but and, um, and heavy blackmail or something. Because I don't, I don't know how these people sleep at night. I don't either. But it's almost as though Pfizer knew they were going to get that um, thumbs up from the panel because 15 million shots have already been created and are ready to get shipped out. So, Imagine that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. So Hi, I, YouTube. <laughs> right, right. We gotta be gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. No, we don't. Nah. I don't care. They're gonna scrap it anyways. Yeah. So this means this this is this 
exactly what you were just saying. This means parents of school age kids that live, especially like in states like California, who don't want their children to get jabbed are going to have to pull their kids out of schools. And I think that for a long time, we've been trying to work within the system and reform the system. Um, But it's just becoming more and more apparent to more and more people that um, we can't reform the system. It's just beyond beyond corrupt. And these agencies and institutions that were entrusted to protect and nurture our kids, they just can't be trusted anymore. We've got to start from scratch and build new school systems, new medical systems that do have our kids' best interests at heart. And as you'd kind of mentioned, this is already happening. Millions of parents are homeschooling in record numbers now. And um, I think just as time goes on, it's going to get more and more organized, meaning these individuals who are now just now starting to homeschool will start forming networks and those networks will grow and expand and build from there. It will just take off um, with kind of a, a renaissance of um, recreating the school systems the way that they should be. Um, Right, because I'm sure plenty of teachers have left as well. Yes, especially if they're facing mandates too. So, um, you know, I know that it's, it's scary to some people, you know, but to take that leap of faith going from public school to homeschooling, but I can personally attest to it. it. It's very rewarding and it gets easier. Um, and it's just something to consider if, if you're, you know, I don't think anyone would regret it if they were considering it. Yeah. So that's where we're at with that. I mean, we're just going to have to, um, we're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to overcome, um, these hurdles because these institutions are just, um, I think beyond reform. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there are some things that we need to keep continue fighting for and fighting against and making change. And there are other things that we need to do that sort of build outside their system. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know that I'm the best one to give an opinion because I don't have children, but I can tell you if I did, they would not be in this school system. Not the way it is, at least. No. I mean, there, no. no. No, I would be, if I had kids, I'd probably be going around my community and talking with other friends and seeing what they're doing. And I would try to, I would definitely try to form um, an, a program that, so that the kids could still, you know, interact and whatnot and try to get a teacher on board or some parents that, you know, rotate. And that's what I would do personally. And all these things are just going to take time. Um, but I'm really encouraged by seeing so many things pop up um, just over the course of a year and a half. Uh, we really have seen just it flourish, whether it, it comes to alternative media, alternative um, ways of forming a new economic system outside of their system with uh, businesses that um, hold the same ideals that we have to education to medicine I mean we're rethinking all of it and we're having to do it very very quickly but I'm encouraged to see the amount of growth in just a short short period of time because we've been forced to do it right and um, so that's I guess the one silver lining out of this but 
Um, I guess we can move on to the next topic, which is um, kind of touching on what we talked about last week, which was this whole um, plan <laughs> tucked into the spending bill, the massive spending bill that they're um, arguing over right now um, to use the IRS bank reporting system to, um, uh, you know, tr- basically track and, and spy on our banking accounts. Right. And um, so there's rumors here, and this was basically from straight from Joe Manchin, that they have scrapped the IRS bank reporting plan that was tucked in the bill. Um, it was originally going to be tracking flows of just $600 in bank accounts. And mm-hmm. that got a lot of negative reporting, a lot of outrage from the public, from banks, uh, from everyone. And right. so uh, they kind of scrapped that. And they were like, well, we'll just change it to 10000 a year. And we were talking about that. And we're like, 10000 a year is still, That includes everyone. Yeah, it's still really low yeah. and uh, laughably low, right? right? So I don't even think that's going to work because Manchin apparently had met with Biden and he was like, this is really screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand how messed up that is to, to think that Uncle Sam is going to be watching. And so um, apparently Joe Manchin is not giving the green light on this and they need his vote. So it looks like they we might have dodged this one for now. I don't know. There's the others. I was just going to say, you know that this is what they want. This is their baby. They want to track everything. And it goes back to your digital identity thing and that they're not giving up on that plan. I think they're just going to be more covert about it and find a workaround. Yeah. Or they'll slide this into a different bill without people knowing. Exactly. Exactly. So we need to remain vigilant is my point. I think that um, we may have dodged it this time, but that doesn't mean it's going away. This is definitely part of their agenda and they're not going to give it up. Right. Yeah. So, so we'll see, but they're going to be voting uh, very, very soon. Um, And in fact, maybe by the time, you know, this rolls out, this podcast rolls out. So we just need to, you know, keep an eye out on it um, and see what actually they vote on since we don't even know at this point right <laughs> but uh, i'll tell you one thing that we did hear was from missy yellen um about how they want to tax unrealized capital gains in order to pay for their massive spending spree which is absolute mm-hmm. insanity yep this isn't even real money that people have earned they're 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 wanting to tax the potential of earned money or basically unrealized earnings. So they're actually planning to um, to do this to, to pay for their bill. But they're saying, oh, this is only for billionaires and millionaires. Oh, sure. Right, right. But we know where this is going. The ones they- with the nonprofits who don't pay crap, who get all the grant money from our taxpayer dollars. Sure. Yeah, they want it all. They want Mm -hmm. us to own nothing and to be happy. When they say that, believe them, that is their ultimate goal. But even if they cap it at, say, $100 million and up, 
which is what they've said. So um, that's going to send all the richest investors to other countries. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just going to leave America. So while they're squeezing these smaller businesses completely out of business and out of existence, yeah. they're also driving big businesses out of the country. Yeah. And it's not going to end there. Once they set this precedent, for taxing unrealized capital gains it's not like you ever walk that back you keep they keep going forward with it and you know their ultimate goal is to go after say 401ks and other investments that actually do target the working class right good times i tell you good times right and what do they spend it on what do they spend that money on (laughs) (laughs) The giant infrastructure of our smart grid and and robotics. I saw a commercial the other day. I can't remember the name of the company where they showed this giant robotic arm that was like deep frying French fries, flipping burgers and everything. And, oh, this is going to make, you know, fast food restaurants more efficient. So they can just be run by robotics now. Right. Well, I saw, you know, those robot dogs are just the creepiest thing you've ever seen, right? (laughs) But they try to, they, they, you know, the uh, the fake news, they try to make them look so friendly and cute. Look, these are right. seeing, look, these are helping the homeless. They, I saw this one and uh, it was a, a robot dog that was assigned by the police in Hawaii to walk around and um, take the temperature of the homeless people to determine if they had COVID. And then they oh, could administer God. food and water um, and even medicine to these to these homeless individuals without any police force actually doing it. And I'm like, really? Does anybody? I haven't even, I haven't seen that one yet. Does anybody see a problem with this? Does anybody I, see where I'm, this is going? Without even seeing it, I'm already seeing cameras in its eyes. I'm seeing frequencies being emitted out of it, and God knows what else. Yeah. What point is there going to be just you know a pointy thing shooting out at? Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is getting very dystopian very quickly unless we put an end to it all, and we the people have the power to do that. In fact, I did want to end the the discussion today um, talking about New York City because I'm really encouraged to see what's going on there with the uh, the first responders um, standing up against the tyranny. Um, first, just to start it off, to tell you that um, so the um, the union, the police union in New York City um, filed for a temporary restraining order, but the judge denied that this week. Mm-hmm. So that's not good news. Um, apparently, anybody who has not um, received the jab or received any kind of exemption um, will be put on unpaid leave as of next week. So um, earlier this week, I believe it was uh, Monday or Tuesday, um, the first responders, this is, you know, firemen, policemen, um, city workers of all kinds, thousands of them marched across the Brooklyn Bridge, had a huge protest earlier this week, and then upon the news that the judge had denied their temporary restraining order again, had a another massive protest um, outside of Gracie Mansion. Um, the union bosses apparently are standing very strong. They are holding the line for their, um, you know, the people that they represent. 
And right. um, this right here is the firefighters um, union boss. And um, he said that um, come next week, 30 to 40% of the New York City police will be sent home, a quarter to a third of EMS members, which is like the ambulance drivers and so forth, are going to be sent home. I don't even know where they're at with how many firefighters will be sent home. He has told the firefighters, look, show up, show up on November 1st. And if they send you home, that is on the city. That is on Mayor de Blasio. That is not on us. Um, And then he talked about how this is going to cause a collapse in the system. And that this is basically a manufactured crisis that um, they are putting on themselves. Um, And so, yeah, but he is telling, you know, the people that he represents, look, I'm holding the line for you. They are holding the line. It looks like the, um, really, that's the theme this week is as more and more of these public servants and private sector employees are facing these deadlines for mandates, we're seeing this uprising of the working class standing against the tyranny and vowing to hold the line. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. it's it's unbelievable. And it's so illegal and it's so frustrating. And that's actually what I'm working on right now is I'm, I'm going to be scouring through some legal cases and kind of get an overall scope of what's going on here. It seems to me that uh, religious exemption, like you said that they got shot down on the um, restraining order. That is happening a lot. There are a lot of cases they're getting shot down on that. And um, religious exemptions seem to be like the number one fight that has a chance of winning right now, which is absurd because most states already have that as law, you know, as an exemption. So the fact that they have to go to court and battle for that is is pretty insane. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. We have to argue over something that's already been predetermined, that's already right. written into law. Insane. Right. Yep. Yes. Well, I'm is. glad to I'm glad to see they're all fighting. Um, when is when was the deadline on this? Did you say? He said November first. So okay. yeah, November next week is when um, wow. these these uh, first responders could potentially be uh, put on unpaid leave. And really in New York City, that is going to cause a major disruption in any kind of emergency services, whether it's fire or, you know, EMS or whatever the case is. Yeah, I'll be real curious to see where this goes, if they're going to allow that to crumble like that. They probably will because it's New York, but uh, whereas we've we've seen in other cases where you know hundreds have taken a stand, they've actually backed down on the mandates. Um, right. This though, they're they're pulling a you know let's let's manufacture a ma- massive weather event and destroy a town and then swoop in and make money and save the day and all that good stuff. They're doing this in plain sight. <laughs> yeah. You know? The others they do are typically a little behind the scenes and a little covert, even though we know what's going on, but this is, this is in plain sight. So I'm definitely going to follow this story. Yeah. And it seems like they're actually doubling down in many cases and speeding up the timeline because they realize the public outrage is kind of reaching a tipping point 
And so it's, it's not just full steam ahead. It's like all hands on deck. And, um, but they, I, I think that they are losing control. That's just simply a sign of them completely losing control. And the people are rising up and realizing our power. So I'm definitely encouraged by that. And uh, just absolutely bottom line is hold the line for this week. So, and uh, that's a good headline for this podcast. I think that's what we'll do (laughs) for sure. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today on Dig It with myself, the Sharp Edge, Corey from Corey's Digs, and usually the speaker. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. And please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.